And we are back with another episode of How About Them Celtics. Sam and I are here recording on Monday, July 24th. And we spent about 10 minutes before the show started trying to figure out what there is to talk about. But don't worry, we found stuff. Barely. But we, we've. It's we not have... even like, what is there to talk about? It's just like, it was us going back and forth being like, dude, what are we going to do? We, we yeah. got nothing. <laughs> it's, it's, like it was not we, brainstorming. We up... It was like, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. We came up with a couple things and we're like, wait, we talked about that last week, but we found enough stuff to put together a show for you and we will continue to do so for the remainder of the summer. Don't you worry. But the first thing we have a uh, big thank you to Mr. Paul Pierce uh, for, for giving us some content. Paul Pierce once again, finds himself in the news uh, for saying he's better or as good or whatever as Dwayne Wade. Those two have found themselves in conversations because um, I think Paul Pierce said something about him being better than Dwayne Wade a couple years ago. Uh, and he recently went on a podcast. A I don't remember. Countdown. Yes. What podcast was he on this time around? Uh, is it, his? it is what it is. No, he went on the it is what it is podcast. Uh, shout out them. Cool. Uh, and he said, put Shaq on my team. Put LeBron and Bosch with me. I'm not going to win one. You don't think me, LeBron and Bosch. We're not going to win one. We're not going to win a couple. Who's the better three-point shooter? Is he a better scorer? Okay, he averaged more points than me in you know, my career. I can shoot the three mid-range. I can post up. I can get to the line. Who's a better scorer? Now, before we talk about this, I will say, Paul Pierce saying, who's a better scorer? And then proceeding to go, yeah, he averaged more points. Not your best argument, Paul. That's all the I'm The argument saying. to that is, hey, I played a bunch of years at the end of my career where I wasn't doing much. Well, Dwayne also did that a little bit. No, he didn't. <laughs> yes, he well. left... He left the NBA as, uh, I want to say, he was still starting, right? Let's see. Now I have to look it up. He he was not like, he, you know, he, he averaged, while he was ahead. That is my point. I suppose. But they, I mean, they played this uh, roughly the same amount of years, right? Paul Pierce played three more years, I guess. And he did have yes. two seasons. Paul Pierce had two seasons where he averaged less than 10 points, which could bring his average down. But at the same time, like, the last Paul three Pierce. Wade seasons, or last two Wade seasons, were not great scoring seasons. But even if you fine, if you want to go by peak, though, Dwayne Wade still wins the peak scoring, right? Like yeah. I, 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 I'm just saying, saying I'm a better scorer. Yeah, he averaged more points, but still, it that's just not a very good look for your argument. Um, and then Udonis Haslam retweeted the appearance or whatever it was. Uh, or excuse me, he commented on Instagram about it and he said, you know, all these podcasts going around have people getting diarrhea of the mouth. And then Paul Pierce responded to all the, the drama or whatever you want to call it on Twitter and said, I never compared myself to Dwayne Wade. I was asked a question. Uh, how would you answer if he was me? I would never disrespect him. He's an all-time great. All I'm saying is the narrative surrounding me would be different if I was lucky enough to play with all-timers earlier in my career. Uh, and I get that. I get that. Very um, I get that. Uh, now, I'm not going to sit here and say Pierce is better than Wade all time. He's not, objectively. Just by the numbers, by the stats, by the accolades, he's objectively not better than Wade all time. But he's people act like the gap is crazy. Correct. <laughs> Which is nuts. Yeah. The, the difference is not what people think. Mm -hmm. And it could be from the amount of success Miami had when Wade was there where – Wade played in what five finals his career? 
I believe four so, yeah. with the I LeBron finals. teams. Yeah. One with Shaq, which with they Shaq. won. Mm-hmm. Pierce got to two. Yes. It's completely understandable why people feel that way. He was playing next to LeBron. Those teams had the spotlight on them for years, especially like it was the almost beginning of when social media started and when it started to blow up and be popular. The big three Celtics started or not started. They came together late in those guys' careers. They did. So even even when people point at that and they're like, these guys, you know, Pierce played with Garnett and Ray Allen and they had Rondo. And, and I mean, even like somebody said Pierce had Shaq on his team. And then Pierce was like, yeah. And we were nasty when Shaq was healthy. <laughs> so I don't know what the argument there is. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Those guys were all older. Like Rondo was just coming into his prime. Like when they won the title, he definitely wasn't there yet. And then as Rondo improved, the rest declined. And they never really lined up when everybody was at their peak. It just didn't happen. When LeBron went to Miami, all three of those guys were in their peak. Shaq was Mm -hmm. behind his peak. He was past his prime, but he was still effective. Yeah. Yeah, I I just I pulled up a few like all time lists to see like the general consensus of where both players are ranked. This is it's usually it's usually weighed around the mid twenties, Pierce hovering around fifty, which fine. Like maybe our homers or whatever we want to say, like say Paul Pierce should be a little higher, but like people act like it's Dwayne Wade is top ten, Paul Pierce is top like hundred fifty. You know what I'm saying? Like the way people talk about narrative, and I I think a part of that is the way Pierce talks about it. Uh, But I mean at the same time, like. You're going to back yourself, right? Of course, you're going to back yourself. He keeps getting compared uh, to this guy, too, because like you said, this exactly. is not the first time it's happened. Exactly. And I, I I, think maybe the last time it was Pierce who brought it up. But ever since that first time, people always just ask him. They're like, hey, yo, you, this, 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 you, you versus Wade. What's up? Because they're trying to get this sort of reaction out of him. Maybe he's got to learn not to give him it. Um, but then, like, I'm looking at this list from Hoops Hype, and they have Pierce at 50 uh, and Mello at 49. Melo is not better than Pierce. If you I want to piss me off, that's them. how. Yeah, that's why I said it. And then they've got James Worthy right below him. Sure. Uh, like, whatever. Uh, Westbrook right below, or uh, I'm saying ahead of, like, Westbrook one spot ahead of him. Again, another debatable one, I guess, if you want to pull the championships into it. But, like, the triple doubles, I understand, like, why people have them that high. You won MVP. Like, <clears throat> exactly. Yes. Uh, they have Anthony Davis at 46. <clears throat> Thoughts? Doesn't play a lot. <laughs> I always plays more Davis than does. Zion, less than a lot of other guys mm-hmm. on that list. Mm-hmm. I always forget Davis does have a title though. Uh, that always slips, slips. Uh, yeah, does he? I'm thinking of this. Uh, <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, yeah, but like, okay, James Harden at 39. MVP. I don't know. It's it hard says, to say. I, I I think if you lumped all of these players into one, Jason Kidd at 38. He also has an NBA title. Always forget he won that with the Mavs. Yep, yep. the Mavs. <laughs> um, but like you lump all these guys in. If you want to pick at straws, yeah, sure. I guess you can put Wade one tier above if you really want to. But th- the way people talk about it, you'd think people were talking about like a bench player and a top ten player of all time. I like, think that's they're the way the, the same conversation level. is. <clears throat> I think not enough people acknowledge that they're on the same level. And I think the big thing that Pierce like feels slighted about or anything like that is that when Wade retired, like they had the big retirement tour for Wade, but Pierce didn't get that, not expected it or whatever. 
but then they just start handing them out kind of for everybody. I know what you're talking about. After Kobe did it, Pierce didn't. Then Wade and Vince Carter kind of got like a lot of respect when he retired Mm -hmm. and all of that. And Pierce never did. His one thing was just going back to the garden and they had a great day for it. It was awesome. Yeah. I wonder how much of that. And this isn't me saying like one person deserved it. I wonder how much of that was them saying, okay, oh, Wade and Nowitzki are retiring. You know, let's do this because they're both going out. These are obviously two legends, et cetera, et cetera. And also at the same time, like, like you said at the start of the conversation, Wade kind of went out on top. They're like, oh, he's going out and he's still so yes, great. Yes, he went out you know what I'm before saying? it was too late. Pierce waited too oh, Yeah, so like that could be a thing as well. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, it's weird. It, it, I'm glad Pierce brought it up, though, because it gave us a talking point. Um, and yeah, then looking at this list from The Athletic, it's like they have Pierce at 50, McHale at 49, Gary Payton at 48, Reggie Miller at 47, Westbrook 46. So... You're seeing him in that tier, and then, excuse me, they got Wade. Let me let go find it. I think Wade was 25 on this list. 28, excuse me. So, yeah, they had Wade at 28. Uh, I had him Rick Barry at 27, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton, Giannis at 24. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you go further up that list, and uh, you get there. It's tough because I, when you factor in titles, you have to give that respect. Like, it's true. You do. You do. You, you won can, four. You can point it. He played with this guy. Of course. But it he doesn't matter. Got four he rings. Still one. He's three. Wait, you're right. Three rings. Sorry. Yeah. It's all calm down. Three rings. <laughs> yeah, three rings. Curry's got the four. Curry is Curry, is Curry top ten. LeBron this is, is random. Four. This is just Curry top ten. Oh, Ever. Man. It's so tough. I think I think the is this guy top whatever always comes down to who's getting kicked out. So let's <laughs> yeah. Let's hypothetically let's list off. You don't even have to go in order, right? We do it quick. So so you have Obviously, Jordan, Jordan LeBron, Kareem Brown. in there, no matter what, Magic Bird, that's five. Mm. Then it comes down mm. to Bill Russell has to be in there. He won 11 times. He was a pioneer yep. for the league. Shaq. Is Wilt in there? Is Shaq then, in? This is where then, it gets cloudy. Kobe, I, he, if you leave Kobe, Kobe has out, people act like Kobe's got to be top 10. Kobe, no, Kobe's absolutely top 10, uh, at least uh, for me personally. I think Kobe has to be top 10. And then, I don't so have then, a strong opinion on this stuff. I'm just, you know, no, I know. I, hate I, I, I think, I think those seven players are pretty definitively top ten. And then you run into the Shaq, Tim Duncan, Wilt, Steph, KD range, mm-hmm. and that's when you're starting to be like, you know, do you kick out player X for Steph? Like, do you kick out Shaq for Steph? And then people say, oh, but Shaq was the most dominant player ever. Oh, but Steph changed the game completely. Oh, but and then people disrespect him, Duncan, because he's kind of quiet. But he, I mean, five titles, small market. (laughs) But he was Tim Duncan is Tim Duncan. And there's Will too. Like people didn't get to watch, but like I mean, he's Wilt. So it gets tough. It gets tough. Uh, But yeah, Paul Pierce, Dwayne Wade is. It's such an interesting debate that's been like almost artificially concocted over the past X amount of years. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just like Pierce made that one comment, and now everybody has been like sort of this is this is the debate this is the debate everyone's going to center around when it comes to just the most random shit right like it's just the most random thing i wonder what sparked the comment now i want to know not the recent one the first one i think oh i think it was last year during the eastern conference finals i don't think it was that recent are you sure I think it was years, will, years ago. I think it was when Pierce was on ESPN. Maybe. 
Maybe. Um, I'm, you're going to make me want to go find it. I'm just searching on Google. In this edition of NBA Countdown. So yep, this is it. as Wade is about to retire. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have, so, the, I have the whole conversation if you want me to read okay. it. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Beatle said, who's the better NBA player? Uh, that's easy. I can say that off the bat. That's me. If you give me Shaq, if you give me LeBron. Jalen Rose, they did. It's called the big three. Pierce said, yeah, we got that late. If you give me those guys early in my career, Beatles said, let me ask you this. What would you, what would have been a perfect time for you, Paul? Like make sure we get this right. Pierce, when I was 24 years old, if you give me Shaq, when I'm 24, 25, you give me LeBron and Bosch, I'd be sitting on five or six titles easy. Uh, Just saying like he had a better career than Wade or something like that was his whole thing. He's like, I had a better career than Wade. Wade. So. It's it's just a strange nonsense conversation because mm. Wade has more accolades, he has more championships. Uh he does he have more all NBA? I have this the things up. He won a scoring title. Yeah, he has double the all NBA appearances. Double the all NBA stuff. So how fair is it really? Yeah, well I will say this. Objectively, Pierce had the better career based on accolades. It's really not you mean like Wade. Wade, sorry. Yes, sorry. Oh, don't clip that. Don't clip that. Yes, Wade. Like, I have it here. Dwayne Wade, 13 All-Stars. Paul Pierce, 10 All-Stars. Dwayne Wade, 8 All-NBA. Pierce, 4 All-NBA. Dwayne Wade, 3 All-Defense. Pierce, 0 All-Defense. Dwayne Wade, 3 Rings. Pierce, 1 Ring. Just objectively had the better career. You could dive into the, but if this, but if that. That's, there is no if. That's not what happened, right? Like, it sucks that Pierce didn't get that chance, but like. Charles Barkley maybe didn't get the chances. Player X didn't get. X- I think Charles X- Barkley got plenty of chances. He well, like you know my he point, like bounced like, his way around to try and get on better teams. Sure, sure. But my point is like maybe that was a bad example. I was more saying like you can appreciate how great a player is. Like Tracy McGrady is that a better example? Like he he was never on. Sure. Like yes. played with like until Vince Carter, or whatever. Like you can appreciate how great Tracy McGrady was, but spending an hour long conversation saying. But he's probably better than Dwayne Wade. He just never got to play with like that's just you can't have that conversation because it never happened and you'll never know. Correct. So while Pierce and Wade are probably closer than a lot of people realize, purely talent wise, of course Wade had the better career. Like just, just you can look at the you can look at the basketball reference page and figure that out without ever having ever watched or heard either of these players. But like the conversation of Pierce sucks, like that that's where like a lot of people that's take the it thing that needs to stop. Far. You yeah. can say somebody is good without tearing somebody else down. Agree. And again, Pierce didn't help himself. No. <laughs> with the conversation. That's what I'm saying. They get too many people in front of microphones, not including this is us. True. This, yeah, of course. No, never yes. the How About Them Celtics podcast. Never, never. Uh, all right. That was much better conversation than I thought it would be. I thought we would we'd die off, but we, we talked about, about that. Uh, next thing we have, we'll, we'll dive back into current Celtics. Uh, Blake Griffin. Obviously, was with the team last season. Question mark surrounding his status with the team next year. Brian Robin Maslov writing, it's been eerily quiet on the Blake Griffin front since the season ended. Brad Stevens made no mention of him in any press conferences. Uh, that could signal, and that could be a signal that the team is moving on. For now, the Celtics may want roster flexibility to consider other additions, knowing that Griffin is available as a backup play, and the team probably is ready to commit guaranteed money to him until other alternatives are ruled out. Now, I don't know how you felt about Blake Griffin when they signed him last year, 
I thought it was fine because like he showed some stuff and the ability to play the backup center minutes in Brooklyn prior. I never thought it would be as successful as it was. He he ended up being like probably the best locker room guy on the team. He he was yes. great. He was funny. Uh, seemed like a great uh, class clown character. The bus one boys. He led that crew. Like it, it's it's very rare you see a player go from all NBA, one of the best guys in the league to being willing to accept that sort of role. And Blake Griffin did it to perfection. I'd love to see him back on the Celtics. At the same time, I understand the thought process of we have one roster spot left. Let's see if like, just, you know, you want to keep the flexibility at the very least, even if it's, we'll go into the season with 14 in case we want to make a trade in case we need to take another player. That being said, if, the options are cut Justin Champagne and sign Blake Griffin or keep Justin Champagne. Hand up. Sorry, Justin. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I, I, I like the I was going to say that when it was my turn. But sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You're entitled to your thoughts. I agree. I think one of the best things you can provide to a team as you age out of the league is a great locker room presence. That is what the Celtics got from Blake Griffin. Jack listed off all the stories, all the great things. Um, the anecdotes were he just got along with everybody. Didn't matter who it was, whether it's the stars, end of the bench guys, he was keeping everybody happy, being friendly. That type of stuff is important. Blake Griffin has played in the playoffs throughout the majority of his career. So he has at least a little bit of experience, not a ton of experience winning. Made his first conference finals last season as a member of the Celtics. I would like to see him come back. And as funny as it sounds, he actually gave them good minutes when he did play. He did. I don't know how durable he was going to be as a guy that dealt with injuries throughout his career and has lost his bounce, which was the biggest part of his game when he was at his peak. But he was out there. He's hustling on the floor, playing defense all over the loose balls. There was a stretch there where before they went out on the West Coast trip where they lost to the Warriors and they lost to the Clippers bad, Still beat the Lakers. Killed Phoenix. The team had not lost when Blake Griffin played. I wrote about it for Hardwood Houdini way There back. was a stretch. Yeah. And he, was the point stretch. differential was really good. His averages were pretty good as a starter because they were playing him when Rob Williams was out and Horford was resting the back-to-backs. He was just looking like a great fit, a great rotation piece, meaning when the other guys have to rest, he goes in. I wonder if you're going to see more and more of that in the NBA. At the time, the thought was maybe because in soccer they do that because these guys are out there running around for an hour and a half you can't play them more than once a week usually or it depends who yeah no yeah i know what you mean i i'd like to see him back i, I think you have luke cornett there as your what third big fourth excuse me fourth big now behind porzingis rob al and having blake to kind of complement those minutes it, it would be fine with me uh as well I, I think it just depends on the trade flexibility, et cetera, going on uh, from that. We made all those so. threes against Philly that day too. Remember when <laughs> yes, he made that's, five that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like even after he was no longer that sort of handcuff option, like, Oh, I'll play some minutes when need to for the Celtics. Like he still played like once every week, once a week and like gave them legitimate scoring. Like he gave Blake them Griffin a legitimate has everybody's punch. dream job. You just show up <laughs> once right? a week and uh, then you hang out. That's what it, I he, want. He was great. He literally won them that Philadelphia game. It, it, it was very fun. He didn't play in the playoffs at all, did he? <clears throat> did he get in the playoffs I at all? I don't know if he got in the playoffs, no. 
That's a maybe against right Atlanta. <clears throat> What's your guess? Did he play in the playoffs? I think yes. I think he had a moment or two against Atlanta. I could be wrong. He did. He played one game, six minutes, and it was in my. It was probably against Atlanta. It was. Oh, where is it? What the hell? It was against Atlanta in game five, and they lost. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they lost. Uh, and he had two rebounds, zero points, and he missed the only shot he took. So, uh, But regardless, I- I'd welcome a Blake Griffin return. I think it'd be fun. Uh, I'd be happy to have him back into the fold. I, I think he's a good player. Um, and more than that, I think he's a good locker room presence, which, to be honest, actually – you might need that now more than ever. A locker room presence. You might not even think about two that. key pieces to your uh, team's identity. Mm-hmm. So bringing him back could help with the vibes in that category. All right. Next thing we have here is Joe Missoula's comments on Porzingis paired with an article from Bobby Manning, friend of the show. Uh, he wrote it for Boston Sports Journal, uh, and he also writes for Single Nest. But uh, Joe Mazzulla, this was after the Blake, uh, excuse me, the Kristaps Porzingis introductory press conference. So it's a little bit older quotes, but they pair with the article that Bobby talked or wrote and the stuff that he talked about. So he goes, whether I do this for one more year or 50 more years, I'm going to learn something every offseason. Mazzulla said three categories where we're at offensively and how can we maintain some of that? How can we improve? And then the same thing defensively, as in how can we improve and like where are we at? Um Basically, like adding a guy like Kristaps allows us to book to do both. Uh, he's made a living in the trail spot, being able to play, pass, and shoot threes, attack closeouts from there. And then he's a top in the league and posting up. So I think you have to do be able to do whatever makes the most sense for our roster. How do how do we fit him in? And at the same time, how do we continue to build off what made us really good last year? Uh, and then Bobby wrote something, and he, he can he put it together in a tweet that I couldn't find, but basically talking about like how Porzingis's offense is good. He, he acknowledged the concerns, the flexible game. He talked about his defense. I'm going to find the tweet, but Bobby basically talking about how Porzingis can help the Celtics on defense, mentioning some of the concerns he's had with Porzingis, because I know Bobby wasn't as high uh, on the Porzingis move as some other people were uh, when it happened. Uh, and so we sort of talked about that and then paired that with Missoula's comments. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about those things uh, and just generally the Porzingis move, because something we've talked about a lot since it's happened, like I feel like people aren't as excited for it as they should be. Correct. Porzingis had a monster season last year, maybe the best of his career. Now that does mean you're buying high on a guy. Absolutely does. Career hiring points, played the second most games of his career playing 65 for Washington. His shooting percentages were great. I think he shot like 38.1% from three last year. I think I've written about it enough where it's burned into my brain. Um, Gives you extra size. Seven foot three. He can defend the pick and roll as the drop man, which is something the Celtics could not for the life of them do in the playoffs. Horford was getting targeted in switches. They got killed against Atlanta. James Harden lit them up in two separate playoff games because of it. And Miami just took advantage of their defense as a whole. So you needed to add somebody defensively. As far as losing smart goes, it's a different story. It hurts to lose a guy that's so important to your culture, who's been there for so long, is a leader on the team, and of course does play defense. So that could be an argument. Oh, they took a guy out of the defensive rotation that's one of the spearheads of it. Yeah, great. I don't care how great of a defender this other guy is. And I don't know if Porzingis is an otherworldly defender, but he's going to give you some needs. Again, you need somebody to be able to be the drop man in the pick and roll. You were getting killed in yeah. the playoffs. You could not be relied upon to get a stop when it mattered. 
with Smart on the team. Yeah. And yeah, and they they plucked Smart from a, a category where they had a luxury, a surplus. They still have Derek White, they still have Brogdon, despite there being like smoke around Brogdon where he might be seriously injured and nobody wants to say it. Mm-hmm. But okay, you still have those two guys. And it sucks to lose Smart more than anything. Because if there's one guy on this team that really it really felt like they deserved to win here, it was him. But you yeah. brought in some extra help, they better win. Yeah, no, I agree. And the thing I saw from Bobby, uh, you mentioned the defensive things. He went on Celtics beat with Evan Valenti, another friend of the pod, shout out. Uh, and he said, I think he's going to be incredible blocking shots, playing back. I think this defense is going to play a lot differently this year. And I, I think that's the biggest thing, adjusting to be the best you can be on defense with Porzingis in the fold. Obviously, with Smart and, and the way they played these past few years, it's been a lot of switch everything. And they started to play more drop in the playoffs, and everyone was really mad at it. And I, I can't remember where exactly I wrote about it. I know it was for Celtics, but I just don't remember what type of article. I don't think the problem is drop defense. I think the problem is the execution of the drop defense. And I think adding Porzingis will make their drop a lot more effective because he he is able to play up a little bit more in the drop. Like you can drop and still play up a little bit, right? Drop doesn't always mean you have to just sit in the paint right? and, and give up. It doesn't mean like up. here, have all the jump shots you want. Exactly. Like you, you can have both and, Obviously, Porzingis isn't going to be great at switch defense. There will be times where the Celtics can play that with Al or or with Rob on the floor, but having Porzingis will really help them in the drop defense. Um, and, and not only that, but help them improve it. And I think that's going to be a big thing for them, uh, especially with um, them looking to adjust now that Smart is gone. Uh, and then offensively, Bobby wrote about it in his article. Um, Someone talked about post-ups with Porzingis, and Bobby wrote, Consider me skeptical, skeptical Porzingis will receive over three post-ups every night like he did with the Wizards, especially as Boston tries to maintain offensive pace. It exists as an additional outlet when needed. How many NBA players, especially Celtics, can you count on to throw a set entry pass? <clears throat> and that's also another thing, because the best <laughs> guy you have on the team to throw a set entry pass <laughs> was traded for the guy who needs to receive the pass. Um, yeah. So I understand that perspective, too, because you look at, the the blank stats and say <clears throat> Porzingis just had a phenomenal offensive season in Washington and in that like on that island it's great right it, it just saying that is great but it's another thing to say can he replicate it in Boston because he's not going to have the same offensive profile he's going to have to play as the third guy and the, realistically the last time we saw him playing as a secondary option <clears throat> it was in Dallas it didn't go too well and so I understand the concern from that perspective. My thing is in Dallas, they have arguably the most ball dominant player in the history of basketball. He's got, he's up maybe he, ob- just objectively, but by, by I, I, w- I wonder who else goes with him. Westbrook Harden Harden. Yeah. Uh, maybe Rondo. Nah, he, he passed. I, I don't know. The, he the passed highest, it, but it was like the kind of thing where he always had to have the ball. And then he would hit the guys that are open. Sure. Luka Doncic, uh, this past season, had the eighth highest uses percentage in NBA history. Eighth highest. Above him. higher? Westbrook, 2016-17. Harden, 2018-19. Giannis this past year, which is That's crazy. Weird. The Giannis thing is unexpected. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's probably because Middleton was hurt for a little bit. True. Um, etc. Kobe in 0506, Westbrook again 1415, Jordan, AI, and then Iverson. You look at Jason Tatum on this list, 
He clocks in at 99th this past year. So like they just objectively don't have as many ball dominant players there. When the offense is at its best, it is moving, which will leave room for more touches. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what Porzingis is like usage percentage was, uh, or it was in Washington. Exactly. Look it up. It's an, oh, I'll tell you, it's not in the top two fifty, So it's probably not very high. It's probably pretty um, good. That bodes which well is, for his fit. That's what I'm saying. So I, I do think it will be a cleaner fit in Boston than it was in Dallas. Although I do understand the concerns of he's not going to have the sh- same shot profile. So he might not be as comfortable. And last time he was the biggest thing for me is Boston can't do to Porzingis what they did to Brogdon. I, and I'm, I'm going to move my Brogdon hate over to the way they used him because mm-hmm. you look at, I, I think it could, you could run into a similar problem where they brought in Brogdon and he was this great facilitator and he was a good scorer in Indiana too. Don't get me wrong, but he was a good facilitator. And then they pigeonholed him into one thing. And I don't want them to go, okay, Porzingis, you were really good last year, but we're going to have you really focus on this and only do this because that's kind of what happened in Dallas. And so I think if they take him after this great season in Washington and say, okay, Porzingis, shoot a bunch of threes, that's that's like taking a really good player and making him do one thing. That's like saying, okay, Jalen Brown, you can only shoot mid-range shots now. He's great at mid-range shots. Don't get me wrong. He's a phenomenal mid-range shooter. But saying Jalen, that's all you can do, of course he's not going to be as effective. So I I, I hope they they – allow Porzingis to find his offense. I'm not saying build the offense around Porzingis. That'd be foolish, but like, don't treat this like you're adding a role player. Don't treat this like you're adding Correct. O'Shea. Don't, this isn't O'Shea Brissett, right? O'Shea Brissett's going to come in, shoot threes, play defense. Let Porzingis play his game and mold the offense around him, Jalen and Jason. Don't just expect him to adapt. I really hope they treat this as a third star because he really is one. Yeah. The big exciting aspect of the Porzingis edition is something we already talked about is the alternative offensive scheme that they can use by posting up Porzingis. When the threes don't fall, you now have a backup plan. It's not just keep firing them up. It could be post up Porzingis. If he gets going, then he's going to make your three point opportunities even easier by drawing multiple defenders to try and stop him down low. That is such a big addition when it comes to a Celtics team that looked lost on offense throughout the playoffs at times. There were games where you just couldn't trust them on either end of the floor. And I feel like bringing in Porzingis, somebody that's been an all-star in the past, somebody that had a career season last year, can help them avoid that. He can help stop the defense from getting attacked in a pick and roll. He can help slow down and calm down the offense if he's able to score in the post. While he may not be getting post-ups every possession and he may not be getting a lot of usage, it doesn't mean that they have to stick him in the corner, to your point. Yes. They can get him in pick-and-roll action as the roll man. When he was in New York, he was a big lob threat. Something they can look for. Mm -hmm. And as far as Brogdon goes, with the usage of Brogdon, they limited Brogdon's game, but they did maximize his uh, efficiency. They maximized that one area where they pigeonholed yes. him into, but I, I really think they missed out on the fact that he's a phenomenal facilitator. And I, I think that hurt them in the end because by the end of the season, he was just focused so much on scoring that when they might've needed another facilitator it that like, I haven't done it all year. Like I'm not going to just switch back into something I did. So uh, I think that was a problem, but I'm excited. I hope they let Porzingis expand his game rather than just, like I, I keep using the word pigeonhole, but that's really what they're doing. They're like, I hope, they don't. Saying, just hope you're so, right. We'll see what happens there. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's good. Next thing we have, this is a follow-up from last episode. Uh, 
last episode, or I think it was a separate video, actually. We talked about no, it on the channel. No, it was last episode. What? Grant, we talked about Grant. We talked about Grant Williams in both. Grant Williams recently went on Theo Pinson's podcast. He also went on the JJ Reddick podcast, but this is the story told he told. the same on, story. Did he tell it on both? Yes. Okay, well, he talked about um, the altercation with Jimmy Butler. Uh, and he basically said, like, oh, Jimmy Butler said in your face or something, blah, blah, blah. And he Grant, said, like, responded. Jimmy Butler said to Grant, he ain't here. Grant mm-hmm. makes a three. He says, oh, I'm not here. I'm here. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler goes right at Grant and gets an N1, screams in his face, I'm here too. And then they start going back and forth. Uh, and then Jimmy Butler's agent on Twitter basically said, uh, this didn't happen. <laughs> just, just like this. Yep. This didn't happen. Now, I don't like what motivation would Grant have to lie about that? Well, it's a situation where Grant caught blame for poking the bear. So if he downplays the altercation as if it's just a competitive thing, which it probably was, and what was said, he might sound less stupid. If he drops in the the idea of Jimmy Butler being the one to be like talking to him and him retaliating, then people are less likely to look at it and be like, wow, this guy's a moron, instead of, wow, okay, he didn't let him walk all over him. Good for him. Yeah. It's weird. It's just it's just weird. It was funny to see the agent say that he didn't do it. I doubt anybody. Yeah, someone's tweeting like, "Was Jimmy Butler's agent actually on the floor talking to Grant at that time?" Some are saying it's just like a it's just a weird thing to Jack's happen. Still defending Grant. Posthumously. No, no, e- no. Turned even his Grant back on you and joined no. a new team. Even Grant saying it like is is kind of weird. Like, obviously, you tell the story, but it like. If if let's say he was lying, let's say it's not true. Let's say it didn't happen. Like at that point, just Grant just say like, yeah, I was I wanted to get the team fired up. We sucked. Just say we sucked. And he's he even said that at the end of the he interview. Did he was like, say we, that. We, he's he was like, like, I had all ten of our points up until yeah, that point. And then he was like, we we've been getting punked. So just like lead with that instead. Why like throw? I maybe like you said, he's just trying to like divert it. But he, I mean, realistically, from your perspective, you're saying like, oh, he wanted to fuck the blame, like. Why does he care what Celtics fans think anymore? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just just, just say well, what happened. Even NBA fans in general, like, people still are interested in that situation. When it happened, it went viral. It was retweeted. Mm-hmm. It was all over Twitter or X as you're listening to I, this, whichever it may be. It's X. Which people, by the way, are, are too upset about. I just think it's stupid. I just think it's yeah. Tough. Well, you you can X think it's stupid, but people are acting like it's not just like the name. Parents change. are getting murdered. It's not just the name change. The other stuff aside from the name change is very annoying. Yeah. Well, he's changing the name to make it different. He's like he's gonna What's start marketing along it. With that? He wants to make it. Do you, China has WeChat. Do you know what WeChat is? It's basically like WeChat is everything. It's their Instagram. It's their Facebook. It's their Twitter. It is their everything in one app. Elon Musk wants to make X that. So he, I don't know what other features he's gonna add or change, but he basically wants to make X the only social media. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. So well, like, I can see why people are upset about that, but all I'm seeing yeah. is like people posting pictures of the X on their timeline, and I just think like it's they just had their day ruined. Well, I, also from like a branding perspective, Twitter's iconic. It's like wh- why? Like what is wrong Taking with on you? a new challenge? I just think it's stupid. Um, but back to the Grant thing, like I understand why people were mad immediately after. Like you were mad after it happened. We came on the podcast and we argued. Oh, about I was it, but, furious. Like, 
but like, I, I feel bad for Hobbs that I was. I know it really wasn't fair to him. But like reflecting on it, you still see people go back. I saw someone on Twitter uh, put together a tweet that was like Grant Williams highlights in a Celtics uniform, missing two free throws, pissing off Jimmy Butler. And it's just like, do you guys watch the games? Like, do we do we watch basketball or do we just like pick up funny memes on social media? Obviously, I'm a Grant Williams fan. Sorry, Dylan Windler agreed to a two way contract with the Knicks, which had Sam and I both look at the Woj notification. But like. I'm a great Williams fan, so I'm biased, obviously, right? We've established this on the show. It is what it is. But to say great Williams is a bad NBA player, you don't watch. Um, You just don't. You just don't. He's not great. He's not like a, a top 50 player in the league, like that list we reacted to on Twitter the other day. He damn might not even be top 100, right? He's probably on that border, probably like 120. But he is a fringe starter, top bench guy. Like he he's an impactful player. He can give you 25 minutes a night. He'll shoot 40% from three. He defends multiple. Like saying Grant Williams is a bad NBA player is just objectively wrong. Like, I just don't know what you're watching. He has flaws. He dribbles the ball too much. There are things he is bad at. There are things every player is bad at, unless you're a star. And even the stars like Jason uh, Jalen Brown struggled with his three-point efficiency this year and, and driving the ball. Jason Tatum's pull-up shots weren't great this year. It's just the sh- stars have more niche things they struggle with. Grant Williams is bad off the dribble. He dribbles too much. He should stay on the three-point line. Yes, I'm not arguing that. But to say he's like, p- p- there's a whole group, of, like half of Celtics fans just think Grant Williams is bad. And I, it's it's just because they live on Twitter. It's, it's crazy, just because right? it's easy to make fun of them. <laughs> exactly. But it's, cause it's because they only watch Twitter. Aside <laughs> from Grant having that monster game seven against Milwaukee, there is no glaring peak. Like, I don't even want to say peak moment. I want to say like peak sequence for Grant where he was just like unhinged, consistently just dominating, not even dominating games, but like giving really strong contributions like that game. But his he bad has been moments. Past two seasons, though. Listen, I'm not saying that it's like a thing that didn't happen. Like Grant was fine when he was with the Celtics, and he did what they asked of him. But when he was really bad, it's not even so much that he was really bad. It was the way that he was bad was so comical or so yeah. unique, where it was burned into people's brains. It's because like, people even live on look Twitter. at the start of Grant's career. Grant. Missed 25 straight three-pointers to start his NBA career. Mm -hmm. I will never forget that. It's funny. People probably won't forget that. It's just people people that don't watch, like you say, will remember, this guy can't shoot. He shot 0 of 25 to start his career. He sucks. He's an idiot. He got in an argument with Jimmy Butler. He doesn't know his role. He said he was going to make both free throws, and he was opening his mouth, and he missed them both. Like yeah. those things stick with people, but it's they love aside from scoring 27 points in a game against Milwaukee in a game seven, I can't off the top of my head be like, oh, this was a great Grant moment. No, he was just consistently solid. And I think yes. that's what people, but like people, there's like a whole section of Twitter that thinks Sam Hauser is better than Grant Williams. And I'm not saying Sam Hauser shouldn't get more minutes. He should. Like, I think he should probably play more next season. Also, people don't know defense. People don't I know. factor in defense. It's harder well. to quantify defense, yes. Or you like, can't well, not watch we, games and look up defense. But we talk you about can, but it's... moments, but like a lot of Grant's 
close to moments were defensively. Like he, the reason he's called Batman is because he played really great against Jokic that one time in that game. Well, right. He guards yes, Embiid well, but he's called Batman and people remember it because it's so bizarre that he called himself Batman. <laughs> it was funny. Um, his dad actually came with a nickname, so it wasn't all Grant, but he, he ran with it. Um, I mean, also, like you said, the fu- another funny one, just got his head stomped on. By yeah, got <laughs> stepped on. Yeah, what, stomped what people, the crust of the earth. People remember, head stomped on. People don't remember, played him being pretty well in the series. Like, he plays him pretty well. It's just, it. I, I don't get the constant hate. I, I Well, let me rephrase. I understand it. I don't get it. I understand why people look at the memes and they, and they associate with he's bad, but like, to say Grant Williams is a bad NBA player is just you don't know ball. Sorry. Grant also might might be like the best sport of all time. Like he's mean? just kind of like a punching bag and he rolls with it. <laughs> the best oh, that's what you mean by sport. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Man. All right. Uh last Celtics thing we have for the day. Uh Bleach Report put out an article a little while ago uh, on the Celtics top prospects. And I just thought um, it was interesting, and I had a, a topic of conversation. I want to talk about it. So they have Jordan Walsh, number one, Pritchard, number two, Delano Banton, number three. And I obviously, I, I mean, that's probably right, right? There's not really any other prospects on the roster, but it's crazy to think about how two well, years JD ago, JD Davison, sure, fine. But like two years ago, it was, oh, this team's so young. And now, like, this is a veteran team now. This like just objectively, it is like there, if this isn't like obviously the Tatum and Brown are young in the sense of they still have plenty of time. They're not in their primes yet, but this is no longer. Oh, look at these two young guys. This isn't the 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 Grizzlies with John Morant being 22 years old to like last year. This isn't um, what's I'm trying to think of another example of a team that made the playoffs with two, two young stars. This isn't like the the KD Westbrook Thunder making it in this crazy run at 22 and 23 years old. This isn't the Celtics the a couple years ago. The, sure. The Hawks, the, the you know, this isn't like a 22 and 23 year old making a crazy cool run to the Eastern Conference Finals. These are two players about to, we'll say about to enter their prime that have been competing at this level for a while. And you can see that reflected in the fact that like, there is no prospects. The bench is no longer Aaron Neesmith, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, trying to figure out the bench with young players. The bench is Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard, who's stuck as a rotation player, Sam Hauser, bringing in veterans off the bench, uh, Al Horford slash Robert. Like this is not a, a rebuilding end of a re- not rebuilding, retooling young team that's still like trying to preserve their their um timeline. The timeline is there and it can be preserved by extensions, but this is no longer let's draft young guys that fit this timeline. This is let's bring in veterans to win a title. And I think you see it reflected in the fact that like they don't the, the prospect is Jordan Walsh because he's a rookie and that's it. Well it's also the narrative has changed. And and you kind <laughs> of touched on this. But Guys are only prospects when the team isn't ready to compete yet. Sure. Or or if if they're just coming in completely Super young underneath, Raw. like like they're yeah. just dwarfed by stars, right? You're like a rookie, you're a prospect. After that, Tatum didn't have a lot of time to be a prospect because he was successful right away. And also, these guys have had a ton of success in their career so far. They've only been in the league, Brown. He's played seven seasons, Tatum six now, which is still a lot. Crazy to think about. They have only not gotten past the playoff, uh, the first round of the playoffs once. One time. Every other season, they've yeah. at least made the second round. 
that is not stuff of prospects. And I don't know if prospect is necessarily going to be an age thing. It's more of a expectation thing. And the fact that they were both relatively early on in their careers, able to brunt a lot of burden and take on a lot of responsibilities. People kind of kick that to the side. Mm -hmm. So yes, the age of prospects and unexpectedness is past us. My God, I can't talk in this segment. My gosh, take me to the shed. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. It is true. Ugh. Yes. No, I know what you're saying. I just thought it was interesting. Like, I, I saw the list and I was like, oh, wow. Like, because when you think of the Celtics, especially people who follow the team and like cover the team, it's like, oh, they're young, but like, they're not anymore. They're, they're like, just they're title. relatively they're young. young. They still have room to grow. All things relative. You said. Relative to other contenders, they are young, but like in the general scope of the NBA, they're no longer like, like you look at all these two years ago, the Celtics were on the list of best young cores in the league. Not anymore. They're not. And that, it's not a bad thing. It's just because like now it's the thunder. Now it's the magic. Now it's the like, you know what I'm saying? Like now it is the actual young up and coming teams. Uh, and the Celtics have sort of moved past that. Just, I mean, let's, I mean, that's how time works. <laughs> like, that's just, right. that's just how it works. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was intriguing. All right, like that, that can wrap 45 up. Forty-five minutes on the south. Look Celtics at that! Look at in, us go in late July. Hell yeah! All right, let's get on to the NBA section. We have a few things before we get to the rat list. Um, old news becoming new news again. The Mavericks are interested in DeAndre Ayton. Sam, are, are we surprised? <laughs> uh, a Damn little it. at this point, only Always. because okay. they've done a fair amount so far this off season to try and solidify their center rotation, right? Mm -hmm. They got Rashawn Holmes. They drafted Derek Lively. They brought back Dwight Powell. They have three guys that they're planning to roll yeah. out at center. They got it out. I don't think JaVale McGee is coming back, or if he is, he's going to be the fourth guy. He's not going to Christian be Wood is over there being floated as the 14th man on the Lakers. Yeah. They have moved on from the idea of those three guys. They've brought in new ideas. I don't see a situation where they're just dying to bring in DeAndre Ayton anymore. It doesn't make sense. It made sense a couple months ago, but they made some really smart moves. They brought in Holmes who the last time he had an opportunity was a real force in, in serviceable, which is really all they need with Luca and Kyrie yeah. playing in the backcourt. It was fine. I, I think, this was Mark Stein reporting this on his Saturday Sports World uh, podcast slash radio show on 97.1. Um, and he was like, you know, he didn't like say directly like they are in. It's sort of like a Dallas could go back to some of those things. Like maybe like the, it's not completely dead out of the like dead in the water yet. I understand it from the perspective of having Aiden run alongside those two guys would be like nice it'd be lethal like like Aiden's a fine player um and I think if you have him play that role he, he'd be solid especially if you consider I, I do think the thing that the original trade idea was like Tim Hardaway Jr. JaVale McGee Rashawn Holmes they sent it the Sun Sun said no it was something along those lines uh at the draft or around the draft and I think the Sun's successful offseason in the sense of getting rotational guys might quell that desire to add that depth for Aiden but at the same time like Rachon Holmes and Tim Hardaway Jr. are probably two of, would be two of their better rotation guys if they flipped Aiden for that yes. I think I think it all depends on how 
willing slash apt DeAndre Ayton is to play in Phoenix. Like if he's cool with everything, he's like, yeah, we got Beal now. I guess I'm fine. Monty Williams, Monty is, Williams is in the coach. Yeah. Um, but then there were reports like that wasn't the whole issue. Like maybe it's still bad. So it depends on that. If you're Phoenix, would you entertain it? If you got a first round pick plus those three depth pieces, like maybe. Yeah. Because Phoenix has no picks. <laughs> this is true. If you got a first, it'd be huge. Um, but then if you're Dallas, like, I guess you still consider it, but then giving up that pick sort of restricts you from making moves on top of that. I don't know. It, it's weird. I, I wouldn't hate it. I think Aiden would be a good fit there. It's just like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It, it is, is weird. It doesn't make a ton of sense right at this point. It just doesn't. It's more awkward now than it was at the draft. Dallas has had one of the better off seasons. I think, I think they're really prepared to compete That's this year. Was... They have a deep rotation. Like, why would you start plucking pieces out of that to try and get Aiton, who has been well, not really a player who's lived up to the potential when they were drafted number one overall over Luca and Trey Young, and like got your roster for that? A guy who's been a little bit of a problem the last couple of years within well, I, the team. I think a lot of it is. I think they're also out on Hardaway to an extent. Like a lot of the conversation in Dallas around like fans, media, et cetera, is like, all right. Tim Hardaway Jr. probably should get traded. They should, you know, probably move on. Like <clears throat> some examples, uh, Tyler Watts of the Smoking Cuban fan side wrote five trades Mavericks must make to get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. <clears throat> for like the sentiment. So, like from that perspective, if you're trading Hardaway Jr., guy you're out on, JaVale McGee, guy you're out on a first, and then Rachan Holmes. Like, if you discount the you know, or excuse me, account for the fact that you're out on those two, it'd basically be like Holmes in a first for Aiden. And at that point, you're like, all right, well, duh, right? Because like he's just a better player. Yeah. So I get it from that perspective. Like <clears throat> some of these trades for Hardaway Jr. are throwing him in the get Clint Capella three teams, Siakam deal that we talked about, uh, what Dallas in there as well, getting Capella, uh, Hardaway Jr. three seconds for Royce O'Neal, Hardaway Jr. in three seconds for Valanchunas, uh, Hardaway Jr., JaVale McGee three seconds for like Zubac and Marcus Morris. I actually don't mind that trade for the, the Mavs if they could figure it out. And then like <clears throat> Hardaway Jr. in a first for Bogdan Bogdanovich and Killian Hayes. So like <clears throat> that's sort of what you're getting for Hardaway Jr., what they're expecting. So I get it from that perspective of if it's dead money in their eyes, but it's definitely less intriguing now that you have Derek Lively in there who uh, Derek Lively looks kind of nasty. <clears throat> he looks like he's going to be real good for them. So one more thing on Hardaway. I'm pretty sure after Kyrie got there, his splits improved. Not to say that's the most, I, most surprising yeah. thing on the planet, because when better players join a team, things get easier for the supporting cast because the defense has to pay attention to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But just something to keep your eyes on with that. I, I don't I don't really know if any massive move for the Mavs makes a ton of sense at this point. Yeah. No, I got they've you. done enough. All right, next thing here. I don't actually have this on the show sheet. Uh, I just want to touch on it briefly because I write Spurs. And when you mentioned him, Hardaway Jr., uh, I thought it was funny. Um, have you seen some of the quotes that former NBA players have been saying about Wembenyama? <laughs> KG said he's going to have a target on his back. Did you see Big uh, Babies? Big Baby said he would like body him pretty much, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. said, Bull Bull is better. Tim Hardaway Jr. Like the guy. Sorry, Tim Hardaway. No, sorry, sorry. Dad? Tim Hardaway. His dad, Tim Hardaway, <clears throat> said Bobo is better. Okay. And then Olden Polynice, who is an old center, old NBA center, said 
he should hope to be Sean Bradley. (laughs) I, he basically said he's seven foot five. Those guys are just shot blockers. Everything he's doing in Europe isn't going to translate. And when I wrote about that quote for Spurs wire, uh, what did I say exactly? I said, without knowing how much film Pauly Nice has watched or how many games of women Yamas he's seen, this take reeks of a person who has looked at a person's height and made an assumption from that. Everything Wembenyama has done says he'll be great in the NBA. Just because he's tall doesn't mean he should be pigeonholed into a role that other tall players have played. Um, I just think it's funny that all these like NBA, like obviously it comes with the attention of being the first pick and like this hyped up prospect, but like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, these takes also come to, to come full circle here. Uh, everybody having a microphone in front of them. It's true. Except for us, us, our microphones are, yes, good. our microphones are valid. But like all these guys that are former NBA players, they want attention. They've been the star of the show their whole lives and yeah. in retirement, they probably get bored or sick of not being talked about. So they just say outrageous stuff. And because they were in the mm-hmm. league, their insight means something to some people because they've mm-hmm. been there. Right. Mm-hmm. Even if it sounds dumb, it's like, okay, like, what does he know? Why is he saying this? There is a question that comes along with it. So yeah. Stop letting everybody talk. Okay. Agree. Agree. All right. Next thing. We're just going to touch on this news quick because it happened. Uh, the bulls resigned. Io Desunmu. Um, it was a big question mark. It was kind of weird. I covered the bulls for bulls wire. So I was like, a lot of the stuff was like, what's happening there. Uh, and so, they brought him back uh, three years, 21 million. They did lose Javon Freeman Liberty, who I know we talked about this before. And you're like, who's that? He was all summer league second team. He averaged like 21, five and five in summer league on like 50, 40 splits. Like he was great for them. He signed a two way deal with the Raptors. Uh, and the big thing was the bulls didn't even offer him, even though they wanted to keep him. But obviously with Toronto's current guard rotation with Dennis Schroeder and Malachi Flynn being basically their only point guards, he has a good chance to earn a better role in Toronto than he ever would uh, in Chicago, especially with I had to soon move back in the fold and Javon Carter getting signed in free agency. Um, Another thing we're going to touch on this. uh, The Hornets sale went through. Mm. I, I, I am underprepared. Do you know who bought it? I don't even know the names of the new owners. Nope. They just know Michael (laughs) Jordan doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. And the only thing I saw on Twitter, I think Adam Taylor, friend of the show, tweeted this, um, that Kylian Mbappe's offer from whatever Saudi Arabian team offered him is more than Michael Jordan bought the Hornets for originally, which is crazy. They offered him like a billion. Um, Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall for approximately $3 billion evaluation is who bought the Hornets. Imagine being able to buy an NBA team. Would be so fire. That's the dream, right? That's elite. That's electric. See, I think if I had that much money, I wouldn't even want to do have that responsibility. I think I just want to be able to tell everyone to leave me alone. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then the last... <laughs> sorry i jumped over that you just would you just go to a secluded island and be like see you later no i wouldn't do that but like i wouldn't do anything i don't want to do like if you own an nba team like that you're involved in so much and like of course you want to keep busy like i would still do things i want to do okay but like that would take up a lot of your time i don't know i can't yeah, really talk do i don't know what it'd be like to own an nba I'd team. Still do so it. i think it'd be sick uh, all right last nba thing steph curry talked about a couple things um I know he was on BuzzFeed Celeb, and he named his all-time starting five. He said Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Kobe, Tim Duncan, and Shaq. I think Shaq was his center. Uh, and then he originally had Larry Bird, but took him out for Kobe. 
doesn't matter. Slight. Uh, you're right. But then he also said, I just thought this was fun. Obviously they asked him about expansion or someone did. I don't know if this was the same interview. I think this was at the golf tournament he played in which he won shout out. Um, he was like, uh, yeah, Las Vegas, Seattle and Nashville, which was just random to throw in Nashville in there. But then the thing, the thing at the golf tournament he won, I thought this was entertaining. He Mm. won on an Eagle putt. Like he needed to make an Eagle putt to win it. And he sunk it. But on the tee shot, the guy who was leading beforehand, somebody just screamed in his backswing and he hooked it into the woods. Like the guy, Steph Curry was playing against. Right. That's against etiquette. (laughs) Exactly. Rat. Exactly. So we will move on to the rat list. That great transition. Uh, would you like to kick it off or do you want me to go first today? You go ahead. All right. My first rat list today is Henry. Mm. My brother, Henry. We played ball last night. Sure and did. And Hen- Henry came for the first time. And I had a game winner Didn't over stayed Henry. stayed awake the whole time. He did. Good for him. Shout out. Uh, I had a game winner over Henry in the first game. I was hot in the first game. I played real well. We were on the yes, same you team. Did. We, we, we had a good squad. I-, I was mad we lost. I wanted to stay on. But... um. Uh, we won we won two games and lost the third, right? I think that's how yes. it was. But I hit a game winner over Henry the first one. I was I was hitting my threes. Few games later, my three was from the wing. It was the top of the key on the wing, and I swished it. Yes. Henry's three, which was the game winner, was from the corner, which he missed, but it banked off the backboard from the corner and went in. It was the most obscene game. I was last. I was so mad. I stood in the corner there. I was just sat there for a second. Oh, it's just rat list Henry for, and he'll listen to this too. So Henry rat list for fucking, Oh, I was, so, I, I, I was just so angry. Cause I didn't, obviously you win, you stay on and I didn't want to not play. And so well, who knows? Just says, Sometimes you lose. I guess this can be like a somewhat rat list is yeah. them being like you win three and you have to sit. It's the worst thing yeah. ever. It's like, just play till you lose. My real rat list is, uh, my legs. I may be the most tired I've ever been today. So to play off of Jack's point, we played basketball last night. The difference between Jack and I is that I played basketball at 10 a.m. and I played basketball at 2 p.m. And I had two. Ga- Those were both games. And I played yeah. all 40 minutes in both games. Did you win? And I did not win a single game. We lost both <laughs> games. And then I show up to the night run and I stretch out like I kept fresh. I stretched throughout the day, like made sure my legs were healthy and everything. And I was beyond tired by the end of the yeah. run. It came back to, came down to me being on a team and just chalking up shots and luckily yeah. being unconscious in that last game. <laughs> and I just wanted to be, I wanted to be Sam, done playing. Sam, I think you made every shot that game for our team. It might. Have. I think you literally made all of them. I didn't. I didn't even get a shot. <laughs> I was just standing there. I was, I was playing. I don't uh, like to play like that. I don't like dummy. to take all the shots. I hate. No, it. no, that wasn't a slight. That was just yeah. Our, our anti ratless though. Our first squad we had to open the night was elite. I don't know how that happened. We had that. The free that's throws that's how it happened. You're right. We did hit. Yeah. We, we went free throws that night instead of a draft and picks, but that felt good. Uh, it felt real good. Um, I had another rat list. Oh, so I went to breakfast today with my sister. Both siblings mm. going to make the rat list today. <clears throat> went to breakfast. Oh. We stopped by my dad. She had to print something because our printer's not working. Uh, printed, went out to breakfast with me and my sister, Grace. Uh, and we're putting our food in our boxes. And she just knocks her 
cup off the table. It was not glass. It was plastic, so it didn't break. But it mm. just made the loudest, most obnoxious noise. And everybody in the restaurant just turns. And it was empty. It was fine. You had the like, attention on you. Exactly. Nothing spilled. Nothing. Like, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But it's just everybody turns and looks at you. And there's this kid at the next table who's, like, five or whatever. And he's just kept staring at me. And I'm like, it, it's just, like, I hate attention. We talked about this at the happy birthday thing. So, Ratless Grace for knocking over the cup. Just, just disaster also ratless grace for coming in here before we started recording my siblings like to just come in here and show me videos nah, no rat i'm i'm revoking this because oh she showed God. you some great content the video was get funny, into what it was sure you go on it was a funny video the, the, the i don't rattle the video i'm all ratless just uh, people pe coming into my room for something i don't care mm. about <laughs> for useless stuff uh or or the way they come to my room. My sister and my brother both come have in, very like, different. Uh, Which you no, don't get the reference. No, you just that's what my right mom does. Room. No, I, I understand the Kramer reference because okay. my mom taught me. That's how my mom enters my room when she comes to say hi. But they both have different things. Henry's Henry's entrances. Henry doesn't know how to knock on doors. His he, it's like like you can't hear it. It's the quietest thing. He just knocks super quietly because he doesn't want to be annoying or whatever. But I I have headphones on, so I can't I hear you even if him. you knock normally. Um. So I don't know. Meanwhile, Grace will just sit there like pounding this like it's just opposites it evens out yeah yeah frustrating all right go ahead what do you got anything else? uh ratless ray my friend ray he <laughs> gave uh he gave me a ride to basketball yesterday but the problem with ray in his car is he drives a jeep yes. so he had the top down in the jeep he opened his windows i had just done my hair i don't know an hour before that was cooked <laughs> i can't i cannot enjoy the windows down car ride. If I'm not wearing a hat, even if I am, I have to hold mm. on to the hat, like hold on to your hats. Yeah. That's what they mean. The windows are open. Yeah. So my hair was cooked. It's like, I got tough. the ball. It was terrible. That's Very a nightmare. Tough. Yeah. That's brutal. Uh, I'll bring back an OG ratless drivers who don't know how to drive the speed limit. It was disaster. Mm. We're coming home from breakfast today uh, on a, just a normal like road in my town. It's like 40 miles an hour going 25. There's no reason we're stopping. Yeah, this is the ratless. We stopped at a speed bump. Speed bumps are a perpetual rat list. Dude. And so these speed bumps in our town are also crosswalks. So I don't know if the guy driving was like, oh, let's see if anybody's there. Nowhere even close. There was nobody even close to the crosswalk. Stopped at it, full break, full stop, then went over the speed bump. And then there's this really <clears throat> whack intersection in my, in my town where it's like, you can go one way. Only one way has no stop sign, right? So you've got mm -hmm. one direction going this way, and you can split off into one of three directions. It's like a trident. That's the best way. I, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's one direction, and then you can split off into three, and then each of the three directions coming the excuse me the other way have stop signs. It's very frustrating. It's a terrible, terrible intersection. But we're <coughs> excuse me coming down the handle of the trident. That's how I'll describe it. Where no stop sign, and he just stops in the middle. It just stops full stop because he thinks that there's a stop sign there or whatever i don't know and so we're stuck behind him my sister just goes around him but like ratless people if you don't know how to drive stay home sorry i just can't it's bad it perpetual one of the worst ratless defenders of all time agree I don't <sighs> you got anything else, else? I'm we can wrap there hey Again, we gave you an hour and two I minutes maybe i've ever been hour and two three whatever it is minutes the middle of july it's that's some big time that's some big time for us but thank you all for tuning in we appreciate it we'll change it back to how about them celtics we were at a thousand subscribers last time we recorded a podcast we're like a thousand forty now like y'all yeah, we recorded two days ago by the way yeah this is kind of hype um but yeah thank y'all for 
you know, tuning in, subscribe to how about themselves, keep the numbers going up, check out the shorts and all the stuff. Leave us five stars on Apple and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. We appreciate you. I'll let Sam take us out. And also, if you're looking to get yourself tickets to a Celtics game or other event, head over to SeatGeek. Use promo code HBTC to save yourself $20 on your first purchase. There's nothing going on right now. You're probably looking for stuff to do. Let us help you go see what you want to see. As Jack said, make sure you subscribe to the pod's YouTube, hit the notification bell, join over a thousand others in subscribing to the channel, leave a like, leave comments. We always appreciate when people interact with our stuff. On top of that, you can find us on audio platforms as well. Spotify and Apple were there. Make sure you leave us a follow, a five-star review, with some nice words to go along with it, right? You can follow the pod on socials at How About Them Seas, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Facebook page is just the name of the podcast. You can find our live streams there as well as the YouTube, whether it's pregame or some other special event, we'll be there. You can follow Jack on Twitter at NBA. You can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's it for us. Bye. Check, Taco. Come on. Taco's, Taco's having some fun here.